Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Las Vegas after being in Singapore, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We'll voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. No holes barred radio, folks. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, UFC, politics, film, TV, you name it, we'll talk about it. And here we are in the show, my co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, it's been a couple weeks. Um, good to have you back. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see you back stateside in uh, one piece. Oh, it's wow. been, been crazy what, for you lately. What a trek. Let me tell you, um, I left on Wednesday night and I got there Friday morning. You know, it's 15 hours ahead. Right. Uh, dealt with the jet lag on Friday, immediately went to the gym and trained and worked out. And then uh, Saturday, we started the show at six in the morning on Sunday. We finished around 1.30. I was on a plane at 8.45. Sunday night, only to arrive in Los Angeles at nine o'clock Sunday night. Time wow. travel at its best, baby. I guess. Time travel at its best. It's crazy. Thank you, Singapore Airlines. Great airline to fly. Thank you, everybody in Singapore. Amazing city. But let's bring on our, our guest. Um, good friend. Many years. One of the best comedians out there. The man makes me laugh. Actually, the man makes me guffaw. There's a difference. There's laughing <laughs> and there's guffawing, okay? Uh, he's been on my show, the It's Time Comedy Show, which was one and done before COVID hit. It was going to be one and more. We'll definitely start it again. But more importantly, let's bring on one of the finest comedians of today, a man who truly is a UFC fan, a man I call my friend, the ever-interesting, you never know what he's going to say, Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony, Texas! Hello, my friend. It's good to be back here. Missed you guys. Always a pleasure to be here on It's Time yeah, with totally Bruce and TJ. I love it. I love it. So should we call you Texas Tony? Because you relocated. I mean, you got married in L.A. I think you got divorced in L.A. or divorced in Texas. I'm not sure yep. which. Yep. A little bit of both. Yep. And same. started uh -huh. residing following the, the wonderful, ever magical Joe Rogan to the city of Austin, as a lot of people are going to Austin. Yeah. So I'm going to call you Texas Tony. I want to hear, Tony, what's it like, the transition LA to Texas? I love it. I'm out here with Texas Tom Segura and Texas Tim Dillon and Texas Joe Rogan and uh, the empires being built. We're having so much fun. You know, Austin's just a perfect little city where you could still have a good cup of coffee and smoke pot and carry a gun and do everything that you, everybody secretly wants to do. You know what I mean? Wait, I know you can carry a gun. Uh -huh. I know you can drink. I know you can laugh. But is pot legal in Texas? Not legal, but they call it decriminalized. I remember this, how it was in L.A. Um, geez, 15 years ago 
when I uh, got there and started stand-up comedy in Los Angeles, it was decriminalized there too. Medical use only right. was the verbiage that they used. And that's exactly where they are right now in Texas, just 15 years behind Los Angeles when it comes to marijuana. But it's all good. You know, I think they're starting to apply a lot of common sense. I think they realize that alcohol is a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, that really messes you up. And uh, people are getting into it. I mean, I know personally, you know, me and Joe, uh, I mean, I just know from, you know, some sources that are close to uh, the mayor and the governor, and we're friends with some congressmen, you know, the great uh, Dan Crenshaw out here in Texas. And trust me, the two people lobbying the most for marijuana legalization in Texas are Joe Rogan and I. I promise you that. You, I have you, no say, doubt. You, say, you say they're 15 years behind uh, Los Angeles, Tony. That's still leaps and bounds ahead of some other places in this country, too. It's, yeah. it's crazy to me that uh, th there's still places that just a gram of weed can land you like some significant jail time. Yeah. It's crazy. And I had that happen to me in L.A. when I was visiting there 17 years ago. I had the tiniest little I had literally one hit like tinier than a gram, one hit to put into a one hitter of marijuana. And uh, they found it in my wallet and uh, they wrote me a ticket for it. Well, so, so what you're saying is you just got to be a card carrying marijuana smoking wild man, right? You got the card. You're good. That's it. Get the card. Everybody has enough excuses now. I mean, you see all these people with their service animals. You know, if you can get tickets for that, if you can get a card for that, you can get a card from legal marijuana. Seriously. I think getting a card is one of the funniest things in the world. You know, I, I actually did a test one time, Tony, down here in Venice. They had all these places. Get your marijuana card. And I'm thinking, how easy it is to get this card? So I went into the shop. I sit down with the guy, right? looks right out of central casting as one of the stoniest doctors known yeah. to man, you know, the hair in front of his eyes, the glasses, the, the eyes like this. Yeah. He's like, so what's wrong with you? I go, well, nothing's wrong with me. He goes, Oh, you mean you can't sleep? I said, I didn't say so you're having trouble sleeping. Right. I said, I'm, he said, just, just tell me you do have trouble sleeping. Don't you? I said, yeah, I have trouble sleeping. Here's your card. Bruce, it sounds like you have a hard time articulating what is wrong with you. I think you need marijuana. Yeah. Exactly. This guy looked like he just took about 10 bong hits right before he walked in the room. Well, that's one thing that I, I've always wondered, like what what happened for those doctors to become, you know, specifically marijuana? Oh, prescribing yeah. They doctors? lost their license. Yeah. Well, yeah, they lost their license, but I definitely <laughs> think they could probably get hit with some medical malpractice or something. They amputated a wrong limb on somebody <laughs> in the class or something like that. There's no doubt about it. I'll tell you, every time I'm in the hospital, you hear those horror stories when they put that little thing on the end of the bed, no matter what the procedure is, I double check that every time. Oh, yeah. Whether I'm with my mom who's in the bed or a friend who's or I'm in the bed. It's like double check that sucker. I want to yeah. keep my nuts. OK, don't take them. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Crazy. Hey, Tony, um, you know, with all the uh, the stuff that happened with covid and everything we all went through in the comedy clubs and i wasn't joking at the opening of the show you so wonderfully were in my it's time comedy night you know which was a nice mm -hmm. hit there at the laugh factory they wanted me back the comedy store offered me uh, one of the other rooms to have the show there and i was going to have it once a month it wasn't about money it was about just the fun night of doing what i love as you know how totally. much i love stand up and you yeah. guys yeah um and i haven't had a show since um i plan on doing it again but 
you've gone through all the changes you went through in COVID and everything else. You moved to Austin. You did everything else. The comedy clubs are open now. And then we go into the situation with, you know, Dave Chappelle and Will Smith with his bullshit addicts and all the other stuff that created like a bit of a post-traumatic stress syndrome, I would suspect for comedians getting on stage, wondering when do they have to deal with the shit, right? Mm -hmm. Has this had a lasting effect? Because I was reading about, you know, okay, the comedy clubs are beefing up security and beefing up this. Has it calmed down? Do you think this has created an issue or is it just blown over? You know, I thought it was just going to blow over, but I have noticed, you know, I've been doing the road a lot, been doing four shows a weekend, every weekend on the road um, wow. in Texas. Everybody's partying it up. I mean, right. I cannot explain to you how much fun we have with these shows on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays here in Austin, Texas. People are flying in from other places. It's complete freedom. You can't. There's nowhere where people are scared. There's no one wearing a mask. There's no one freaking asking if you have to be vaccinated to get into a place. The hospitals are freaking empty. And it's been this way since we moved here at the end right. of 2020. And um, but when I go out on the road, I feel those effects of this uh, Chris Rock, Will Smith thing. You know, I have material about it that I'm not going to that I can't get into here. Um, but. I will say this is that, you know, I'm very engaging on stage. I like the feeling of making people a little bit uncomfortable at times in no. in, in no. <laughs> of all the chaos. And, uh, you know, I notice it, man. I know like I was just in Buffalo for four shows. You know, there's a, there's are like real humans up there in Buffalo. You know, their parents lived in Buffalo. Their grandparents lived in Buffalo and their parents lived in Buffalo. None of these people traveled from somewhere else to move to Buffalo. Right. My point is, is like, is when I'm getting into it, with somebody when I'm like nor doing what used to be very normal part of my job crowd work on someone like, Hey, look at you, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Um, is this your wife here next to you? Maybe something like that. Instead of it being like, Oh shit, Tony's gone for it. Here we go. There's sort of more of this vibe of like, Ooh, what's going to happen here? Yeah. Ooh, is it going to, Ooh, is this, should I pull out my phone and make a video? Should I, oh my goodness, I don't want to miss, you know what I mean? I don't want to be, you know, I could make yeah. money off this. I could, I don't know, I, don't, I, mean, I could almost hear their thoughts yep. in the room. Like, oh shit, is this going to go okay? Is this guy going to get mad? They start looking and peeking where it used to be. Take me away. I'm here on this adventure. I trust you, Tony. Everything's going to be fine. Now there's this vibe of, uh, oh my goodness, is something about to go terribly wrong here? You know, and it's, and I can feel that, you know, you, when you do this every night for 15 years, you can feel a major difference. And you're like, what is it? Is it, is it me? Is it from my mini cancellation, my four day cancellation in May, 2021? It, it's not that it's not that. It's not Buffalo. Oh, it's literally Will Smith and Chris Rock. Like that type of um, stupid, stupid uh, stuff that happened. I mean, it's just insane. And, you know, I get it. A lot of people want to be like, whatever. Will Smith is defending his wife. Like, that's just crazy. And it yeah. is against, in my opinion, everything about the American way. You know, it's it 
you should be able to laugh at that stuff, especially, especially when you're a freaking celebrity sitting in the front row of the event that you're at and you're nominated for best actor. I mean, you sit there and you own it. This has always been a part of American tradition. You know, uh, there's a great clip out there. I think it's Ronald Reagan. I'm pretty sure he has Don Rickles come out and and roast an entire arena. I don't know exactly what we would look up. I think it's his inauguration. I'm like 80% sure that if you look up Riggle, Rickles, Don Rickles, Ronald Reagan, uh, inauguration on the internet after this, you're in for a treat because Don Rickles goes so hard in the paint. I mean, racial jokes. He is decimating Ronald Reagan. And Reagan, the brand new president of the United States, is cracking up and his wife's cracking up and everybody's enjoying it. There's some weird shit going on with that Will Smith thing. I think we're going to find out later. I think Jada Pinkett has something on him, maybe a videotape or something of him getting railed by a bunch of dudes. And when it comes out, they're going to call the video men in black. Oh, (laughs) Hey, let me comment on one thing. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of doing it, but I saw Don Rickles three times live at the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. My dad was a boss gambler. We would sit in the first or second row. You want to talk about getting drilled? I mean, if you can survive Don Rickles' rash, if Don Rickles was alive today, first off, with everything that's happened since, with all respect, the Me Too movement and everything that's happened, and you can't say certain words now beyond George Carlin's seven dirty words. You can't say a thousand words anymore. Um, it's getting to the point of very much confusion to me at times yeah. and a little overboard, if I may say so, uh, no in certain, certain areas, uh, comedians are comedians, but I mean, Don Rickles, was there anybody stronger than Don Rickles? If you could survive right. his rash, that right. man was brutal and he funny as funny could be. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the other thing is they sought that, like you knew what you were getting involved with when you went to a show like that. And I think people look forward to it now. It's just. I don't know. Like, like one thing that you said, Tony, that drives me crazy is uh, people grabbing for their phones and, and get, yeah. am I going to get a viral moment? Am I going to be able to make a hundred dollars a month off YouTube on this? And like, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that's the root of all of our societal issues these days. It's a major, it's a major root. It uh, brings up a question, Tony. Uh, how do you feel about if everybody turns in their cell phone at the door? Because there's also a thing there. This is your show. You don't want videos released of your show other than what you release. Dude, so that's how, do you how feel we about do it. That? That's how we do it. I really? do that, do it that every, every Monday for Kill Tony. We lock up 350 phones. Uh, every Joe Rogan show, we lock up every phone. Arenas really? filled with phones. Thousands oh, and that's, thousands. No, that happened when I went to the yeah. Chappelle uh, Rogan show in Vegas. I yep. remember they took my phone in a special container. Yep. It's they important. put it in a special. Yep. They put it in a special bag. You get to hold on to it the whole time for your own security and safety. And like, yeah. You know, um, it's a necessity. I think we locked up 17,000 phones at the Boston Garden and 16,000 at Madison Square Garden. And we do it all the time. A couple weekends a month, we go to arenas and absolutely lock up every phone and it makes for a better show. You know, it would be a fun experiment is if you locked up phones for a UFC, I guarantee you, you would feel that. I mean, you would feel it. I know the only... What's that? The engagement of the oh, fans totally. Oh, the engagement's insane, and that's what you literally need to do to have people enjoy themselves. I know for a fact, since we're on the subject, that the only time I ever really, really post something of my normal life 
on Instagram on the regular basis. The only thing that I ever regularly post a few times a year, sometimes on a busy year, 12 times a year is your it's time. Literally in the middle of the octagon, anytime I'm at a UFC, I oh. do that. And only that, I mean, you could set it to a clock. I don't get the fights. I don't want to miss a damn thing. It's crazy right. to me that these people are out there holding those things up in the air, watching a fight. I mean, I'm afraid to blink. I'm afraid to grab my water from underneath my chair during those UFCs because the whole point is you don't want to miss anything. And Lord knows that if you do, you will miss it. A head kick or something like that, where it can be over in a second. I mean, that's the whole point. Well, let's just, let's just, first off, thanks. I'm honored that you do the, it's time. And I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, and taking your eyes off a fight. Yeah. We know what UFC can be like, and there's no better example of that than what happened last Saturday night in Singapore. Oh my God. Unbelievable. I know you text me during the show. Cause I think you were taken with my jacket that I was wearing. That jacket went viral or started trending on Twitter. I was blown me away. Bruce, your yeah. style is absolutely number one, not to be compared with anybody oh. ever in the history of sports. You are the fashion goat. You are the voice goat. I mean, it is out of control. Do you, is there one person that makes those jackets for you or is that like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. For, for, uh, about six years now, um, I have these master incredible tailors out of Toronto, Canada, which if you go on Instagram, it's at my King and Bay, right? Mm -hmm. and or kingandbay.com um, but check them out they'll they'll deliver suits jackets anywhere in the united states you can do the measurements you don't have to be in their offices tony if you want to hook up text me separately and i'll make yeah. an introduction for you because uh, yeah. they can make you something texas style that'll blow you away oh, and and they'll just tell them buff sent you i'll take care of you they'll take care of you wow but, i love uh, that i'm gonna do that no no i'll set it up just text me outside the show those but, jackets are so cool. And, you know, the fact that, like, I feel like you don't really repeat them, you know, and like, you know, it's just it just always sets a tone. I know it sounds crazy and a bunch of fight fans are going to be like, who the hell cares what Bruce's jacket looks like? But like, you know, for a guy like me who came originally from a pro wrestling background, like that being my favorite stuff when I was a kid, like sh every level of showmanship matters. And uh, and you are just a master at that. It's Thank incredible. you, Tony. It's you not show business. It's show biz, baby. You know, you know the routine, but they're <laughs> they're Roger card silk, Tony. They go out and they find these patterns and we go over them for the show. Obviously, I wore Singapore red for Singapore, but they can only find enough material to make one jacket. And to Don't answer your question, I thought they they've made two. made two like three times and auctioned off the second one for charity that went for about eight or ten thousand. Wow. Uh, the one I would wear, I would suspect would go for more on eBay, yeah. but, and I don't sell them. I get back, Tony, I've got a huge closet for, you know, my wardrobe and it goes to the back of the, the rack and makes its way forward. And maybe I'll win it. I'll wear it again. Like the one I wore in Singapore, I won before, but wore before rather about a year and a half or more ago. And it'll get a, it'll, you know, get a reuppance. So let Until me ask you this, cause I'm excited because we have international fight week coming up here, yeah. right? I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, so like, this is a big one, right? Always the annual UFC event of the year, the first weekend of July. So do you know what you're going with? Like going into it, we're less than a month out. Um, can we get like, do you know anything? Do you plan ahead on this? Is that more of like a, you 
go like black and white, like keep it sort of like, what's your mentality going into something like that? Um, definitely needs a special jacket. There's one being made for the July 2nd show. Um, when I get with King and Bay, we go over certain designs for certain shows on this one. They like to do this with me. They like to surprise me sometimes. So I will be receiving that jacket the week of the show is the plan, unless wow. there's a supply issue. And uh, I do not know what I'm getting yet. So then once I get it, I'll make the decision. Do I want to wear this the entire from prelim to end? Or do I want to do the change up? Right. Ooh. And open it up for the pay-per-view itself. So I'll make that decision when I see the jacket, but Very there's cool. definitely one coming in for sure. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be that's a, such a yeah. huge huge show but anyway check out my king and bay i tell you they're just unbelievable and um people don't realize if you get the right jacket or tuxedo it's one of the most comfortable things in the world to wear yeah it's and you know how i like to move i got to be able to move in the clothes i'm in so yeah. no yeah, i was we, going to say they're amazing we are getting um joe decided because we're doing the same arena as uh, what we're in what the ufc is in the next night we're doing or no maybe it's a different one but we're doing the mgm garden arena the night before that ufc on july yeah. 1st and joe decided because there's a cool crew of us going hans kim brian simpson me and joe rogan that we would do like sort of like a rat pack vibe thing so he got us fitted for like real custom suits he flew uh some unbelievable tailor out david suit. august yeah for david augustin yeah used to be my tailor and they're wow. fantastic yeah they're fantastic. i mean these people measured absolutely everything i'm like you really need my freaking this and that and all of it <laughs> and probably uh, measure the size of your you know what just to make sure you had enough room for that thing tony that's right you know yep. they really did and they said we're gonna have to make a real special pair of pants for the balls <laughs> that this guy has the man's um, packing <laughs> so yeah so i'm gonna be excited i might be wearing it still the next day on july 2nd i might just stay in it vegas style and go in with a loose tie because i'm so excited it's my first ever custom uh suit so i'm well, pumped if you about do it. that and you come in the next day and then you're truly doing a rat pack i mean yeah. those guys would perform and then party till the wee hours of the morning and you could see him with the loosened you know tuxedo ties tony i used to go to vegas back in the rat pack days i saw sinatra i saw a lot i saw sammy davis jr i saw these people God. it was a whole different world back then tony that's when other people ran vegas if you know what i'm saying right and uh, i used to stay at the uh, riviera hotel which was the hotel they made the movie casino at and right my parent my dad was a boss gambler we'd be put up in the frank sinatra suite i was playing blackjack i can say it now when i was 19 years old wow. in the casinos not getting carded you know right. under my dad's tutelage right, right? it's awesome. awesome incredible different I'll times find. tony he could look at the pit boss and say hey um my uh my boys want to go see elvis presley or they want to go see uh, frank sinatra and the guy was like, hey mr buffer's kids want to go see the show take care of it right then we get walked in and we're in the first row yeah it, that doesn't happen today right okay different unbelievable world. so cool phone call right yeah take care of them now everything and <laughs> now everything in vegas is so corporate and cheesy and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff it's still cool but it's just not it doesn't have that flavor right right that same sense all right let's get back to the show tony you were like blown away by the show i i i'm going to speak for tj and i can say that sitting around with the production crew john anik biz Bing, all of us were blown away thinking this was literally the greatest pay-per-view of this year if not one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time yeah and would you guys agree with that? 
Yeah, I, I would. I would also say, too, it's one of those shows where I, I saw some people barking online about the, the price point and saying, I don't know if this card is necessarily worth it. Every time I see something like that, it ends up being card of the year. It ends yeah. up delivering in a way that, like, if you didn't put your money down on Saturday night, like, let's be honest, you, you messed up in a big, big way. Well, you know, on the inside, guys, when you let's just start off just getting to the three events at the end and, and much credit to every other fight, because from the beginning, yeah. you know, with Ramona Pasquale and Jocelyn Edwards, I mean, just, oh, my God, they just went at it. And, you know, Silvana and Liang, you know, the women really laid it down this night mm -hmm. big time as the men, as they always do. I, I say that, but they always come in to put their blood, sweat and tears in the octagon floor. You know, big cheers to Brendan Allen, strong performance, all go through. But let's just go into to uh uh, Whaley Chong and Ioana Janjacek. Tony and I have a special, you know, feeling for Ioana. She's one of our favorite fighters. I always kid I Tony. Everybody I, does, right? Every like, day. Well, Tony would marry Ioana if he had yeah, the chance for course. sure. But if you don't love Ioana, like this is the wrong sport for you. No, you can't help but love Ioana. And the and, way she yeah. went out was brutal. It's yeah. I thought we saw one of the brutal spinning uh, back fists a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. This was a spinning forearm. It was brutal. She went down hard. I heard in the inside, Whaley was not feeling well the day or two before she went out in the octagon. She was affected by the weight cut, lying in bed, but she showed up like the bull, you know, King Kong yeah. charger that she is. Much yeah. credit to her. She's she's just, when she's on, she's on. Yeah, I she's ridiculously strong. Ridiculously it's strong. After scary. that fight, Joanna was taking her gloves off, right? And we all know what that insinuates. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, she's going to retire. And I went up to her. I said, Joanna, uh, are you going to lay down your gloves? And she gave me a big hug. And she's, yes, you know, it's time, right? And I got tears <laughs> in my eyes watching that when, in her, her speech. I mean, yeah. I, how can you not get emotional? For, for me, especially sharing my life with these fighters, these incredible fighters, men and women, it's a very emotional moment for me watching that happen. Yes. And, you know, Joanna, with all of her amazing title defenses and being a legend like we've seen, um, you know, huge goes a long way, especially since, you know, someone that she's going to be compared to one day, Ronda Rousey, didn't exactly exit with such grace at all. No. Right? right. No That's handshake, no nothing, left the octagon, no, none of that. So, you know, it was a graceful exit. And most importantly, I think that, um, you know, and I'm a pro wrestling fan. So when someone goes heel and face and, and good guy, bad guy, right. uh, you notice because it's a part of a storyline, right? And yeah. um, something happened with her towards the end there, you know, when, uh, or a couple of years ago when she was doing the boogie woman thing and all of that with Rose and all of a sudden Rose was this a lot of people I noticed were rooting for Rose and, uh, you know, sort of went anti Joanna. Maybe they were sick of her, this and that, but I could feel during the, during the Rose Esparza fight, I could feel in that room that, uh, that people were missing Joanna. I mean, it was then in which people really realized like, Oh my God, it's not about, what they say at the weigh-in. It's not about a press conference. It's not about a viral video. It is about action in the octagon. And what Joanna gave us, I mean, you look at that first fight against uh, with uh, her and uh, Carlos um, Barza. Whaley. 
Whaley, okay. yes. And uh, I mean, it's literally, I do believe, the most action-packed fight of all time. I oh, do believe that there's more punches thrown in that fight than any other fight ever, I think. It's, it's, it's well, her face looking like the elephant man afterwards pretty much dictated that. You yeah. Know? And I mean, also, so did Wei Lee's. I mean, they were both. They literally, I mean, a lot of people, including myself, of course, I'm a little bit biased. I'm starting to learn that I do tilt five to 10% in the favor of someone who I'm friends with. You know, I have my own little crew, Joanna, yeah. uh, the Diaz brothers, uh, Colby Covington, yeah. um, uh, Israel Adesanya. I always think these guys won, no matter what happened, even if they get knocked out, I'm like, these refs are crazy. Um, but you know, I think Joanna beat Whaley in that first fight, extremely close fight. And, uh, anyway, my point is, is, you know, it's, this is a perfect case of like people were against Joanna a little bit against Rose. And now look like people saw Rose and Esparza stand there and dance with one another. And in that moment, we all realized then months before her fight against Whaley, gosh, do we miss Joanna? And like what she gave to the sport is incredible. It's the most important thing. I mean, it's crazy that these people, this is what it, it's what it's all about. Yoana stands for what it is all about, which is going out there and just fucking putting your ass on the line, like really taking massive chances, throwing a lot of punches, taking a lot of punches and seeing who comes out in the end. That's the difference between UFC and pro wrestling is literally that. And there's not much differences left because it, the both are so entertaining. There's so many real storylines to draw from. But someone like Joanna, you can't even make that up. I mean, the way, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. No, listen, you're you're so smitten with Joanna as I am too, for reasons about her fighting ability, the person, the individual. Yeah. The thing that's really made it fun for me, as it makes it fun for me, watching fighters come along, whether it's the the evolutionary process of Israel Adesanya or John Jones, but to have sat there and witnessed. And for me to be able to share my office with these fighters and the honor of getting in their face and roaring their names and look at the evolutionary process of Ioana. Look where she started from. When I say nothing, I mean that with all respect, where she came in and she started and she's made her millions and she's got more coming together. She's built her social media. She's she's become more mature and refined and 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 a better woman through this entire process now where she wants to have a baby and she's got business opportunities and she's looked far beyond her guns now to set herself up for retirement that to me is a role model for all other fighters to follow for where they eventually should want to get with their careers too yep. i it does make me a little sad when i see fighters getting a little long in the tooth and what i mean by that is fighting beyond when they really should because they haven't prepared for themselves when they do have to put up their guns. And that's why I do everything I can to support the fighters for their afterlife of fighting. I want them to make as much money during fighting, but I want them to be prepared for the afterlife, mm -hmm. you know, and not just to sit there and take fights, whether it's, and I'm not putting it down, but sometimes when I see these fighters going into bare knuckle boxing, it's like, it's because it's their last vestige, their last chance. And yeah. they're going to take a lot of punishment to get that last paycheck, no matter how big it is. It's yeah. not always yeah. money though, Bruce. I think you do see a lot of athletes struggle. Oh, I with agree. The, yes. The, yes. I, the idea that they lose their identity when they retire. And unfortunately, uh, you know, some of them continue to go do and, and take advantage of opportunities that, you know, seem 
counterintuitive to their their benefit i'm not and, knocking them tj no, no, they have I'm, to make I'm their money you. right but yeah my, my point is this though is, is i think that you talk about them preparing for their life after fighting it's not only just money i think they mentally need to prepare uh and get used to the idea that yes being a fighter is is maybe who they are but it's just a part of who they are. And I think for Ioana, I know there's a bit of a language gap uh, from the idea of maybe her being a broadcaster, but I think she speaks well enough English. I think she's a good enough personality. I would love to see her get some analyst opportunities and and still have her involved with the UFC in, in some way, shape, or form. I would love to too, because she's such a personality and her English abilities and her speech has gotten so much better. And um, I basically what we're all saying is we love the fighters. We want to see the best for them. And I want to see them have a long life and not, deal with anything other than prosperity and health, you know, after they get out of that octagon, yeah. you know, we go into the next fight, uh, Tyler Santos and Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, this is a very technical fight. Valentina found herself in positions she's never been in before. Um, how about Tyler fighting with a broken orbital bone for three rounds or what four rounds, whatever it was. Unbelievable. Oh yeah. I, I think you got to give him a rematch. I think that needs to be the next fight for, for both ladies. I, I felt like, uh, the the accidental headbutt definitely played a, a factor in this fight. Um, you Is know, that what broke her orbital? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And ultimately, uh, I think that the right person won. I didn't feel it was a robbery, but you kind of wonder what would have happened if if there wasn't the clash of heads and you know no one has really been able to be very competitive uh, with Valentina. So the fact that this fight played out the way it did, I don't think that you're skipping over another contender right away by by doing the rematch. I think that's what should be done next. You think Tyler won? A lot of people think she won. No, I thought Valentina won. But again, take that headbutt <laughs> away. Who knows what, what it looks like? I think so, too. I think uh, I think Talia won that just by a little bit, just by uh, by means of control. You know, I'm really against people losing fights because of how they look. I mean, that Yoana Whaley thing, to go back to that, right. the first match, I mean, obviously, I mean, one of the most insanely gruesome looking injuries we've ever seen but Ioana said you know just a bruise just a hematoma body's trying to protect itself and of course again you know I'm really good friends with uh Nate Diaz who literally cuts himself during you know your introduction Bruce you could start to see the blood coming from above the eyes oh when I when I say his name I see his head split open yeah Yeah. it's crazy I mean it's you know it's just the nature of the beast for some people and i think that may have affected the judge love you even- Nate. you know i'm just kidding with you nate i love you like a like a brother <laughs> of course of course he has a great sense of humor it's wild the the fighters that have an insane sense of humor Joanna has been to my shows nate's always at the comedy store you know true west coast guy colby covington all these people you know when i go to the miami improv they all come down from coconut grove or whatever and uh it's always interesting to see how these, you know, beastly killers love laughing so much. It's so look interesting. At, look at Adam Hunter giving some of them like Chael Sonnen and stuff who we know would be a natural, a shot at getting on stage. You know, they, they, it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It's, it's good for them. Yeah. All right, let's go into the, let's go into the heavyweight, the light heavyweight championship. Um, this culminated into one of the most amazing heavyweight battles reminiscent to me of the Randy Couture, Vitor Belfer fights from the past. I mean, this is just one of the most skilled, brutal five rounds of light heavyweight action ever. Both men having each other knocked out at least on their feet, potentially three plus times each. 
uh, is staggering. And for the striker in Yuri to put a rear naked choke on Glover and take him out like that, if that's not what the drama in the octagon is all about, that anybody can win on any given day, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But what a what a fine champion Glover is, the whole Randy Couture-ish image, which is now the Glover image standing by itself. But Yuri as the Czech champion, I think it's I think it would be great if Glover won. But I think Yuri is a fine example of a light heavyweight. He's a wild man Oof. in his off life. He's a partier. He's this, that, is the other. But I, if that doesn't look like a UFC light heavyweight champion, I don't know what does. Walking out and just giving that Viking roar is going yeah. through the audience. It was just this show had everything, man. This show had drama, emotion, tears, not just in my eyes, but blood, sweat, tears of the fighters in the octagon. This had everything I live for and breathe in the UFC had the show. You said everything that I was going to say about that fight. That's literally everything. I I was thinking it the entire time. I'm watching him walk out. He did something. I can't remember exactly what upon entering the octagon, like some type of like crouch down thing. I don't know. But and then and then before you started announcing names, he looked very loose. He looked like a champion. And I said to the people I was crammed in a little tiny green room in Buffalo with uh, my opener, William Montgomery and the general manager of the club, Sean, and we're watching it on this little iPad, you know, just loving it in between shows. And <clears throat> I said to them, I go, Oh my God, look at him. This is right before your intro. I, I go, look at that guy. He is so loose. That's a champion. Yeah. Let's see what happens. And then during the fight, of course, I'm reminded like, oh, my God, UFC's crazy. Glover's just as much of a champion as this freaking guy is. But yep. I'm telling you, you talk about there's this, there's that, and then there's star power. And boy, mm -hmm. oh, boy, is he the real deal when it comes to that. I He's mean, the, the haircut, the roar, just the unorthodox style. I mean, does it get any more entertaining than that type of freaking fighter? How cool, how lucky we are as fight fans to have someone like that come along out of nowhere and just be in it. So Ab cool. Absolutely. And he's got an it factor to him too. And even after the fight, when he walked over uh, to Jan Bohovich and um, basically told him he loved him and Jan was giving him the, you know, the stiff yeah. face, which he should, you know, cause they're going to do battle. Of course. Um, it's just, it just had everything. It had everything. This guy's got the it factor. He's yeah. got the it factor. He, yeah. one, one thing I want to say, because Tony has sort of identified it a couple times, being that he's a, a pro wrestling fan. I came over uh, to, to mixed martial arts from being a pro wrestling fan. And, you know, the, the similarities between the two sports, I think, are, are abundant when it comes to marketing. But the thing is, with MMA, we, we see some people try to be pro wrestling personalities, and it comes off really poor. And... Mm -hmm. You know, when you are able to do it and it is your natural self, but just hammed up a little bit, you can become an absolute stud. And and I think uh, for or for stud stress, uh, what's that? Or stud stress. I don't women, follow. A, a female stud. Stud <laughs> stress. Oh, is, is that is that a thing? I don't. It's know. a bufferism. All right, all right, I like it. Um, so when I, when I look at uh, Prohaska, like this guy is made to shine in the spotlight. And one thing that I thought was interesting. Um, about his performance, uh, there was obviously a little bit of room for, for improvement, but I feel like we definitely got to learn a, a lot about him. And, and for someone that has as many fights as he's had, 
there were still some question marks about what his true abilities were going to be against someone like Glover. And I, I think, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the favorite against uh, Blahovich, but I, I do think that uh, anybody that's going to unseat him as champion, they're going to have to have a, a pretty perfect night because this guy, uh, he just gets through the other side of the storm and, and God forbid you let him get on offense because he's going to take it to you. Well, when you go down the stat sheet, basically the guy is Yuri, excuse me, with all respect, Yuri is in his prime, 29 years old, a giant, the epitome visually of a UFC fighter, mixed martial artist. Any Muay Thai kickboxing fan or practitioner out there is going to be behind them and love that. They must have loved this night because you got Valentina's Muay Thai, Tyler's Muay Thai, Yuri's Muay Thai. And we all know the strikers do not survive every fight and in the octagon. You've got to be well-rounded. And for him, again, to take out Glover with a rear naked choke, and something I heard about Glover, Glover never even got into jiu-jitsu until he came to the United States and he grew up in Brazil. So there's a lot of a lot of interesting tangents here. But, you know, the haircut, the Muay Thai, you know, tradition, everything, I had it all. Yeah, yeah. he's all not trying. Say. He's not putting off an image that isn't authentic. And I think that's the big problem for people that try to be I hope he has good right. handlers. I hope he has excellent handlers. I'm going to say it again, and I like this, and it's not like I didn't party like a rock star when I was 29, much less when I was 49, but he's a partier. Right. So let's hope that everything stays within reason. Do you know what I'm saying? Every time you yeah. say that, Bruce, I just have you know flashbacks to our interview John with John Jones, Jones yep. around 2008 or nine. I don't know if you yep. ever heard about this, Tony, but we had John on this program, and Buffer was just sort of taken back by John's early performances and uh, was, was basically giving him uh, all the warnings that unfortunately he sort of succumbed to over the course <laughs> yeah. of his everything career. I warned him about came true, Tony. I said you're you're your own worst enemy. It's all right here, John. This is what's going to get you if anything right. gets you. You know, no and doubt. lo and behold, what happened? No doubt. What a wild um, case that one is. Wild case. Listen, let's go into a couple of subjects in the news, Tony. If you got ten more minutes, yep. we'll be done. Yep. Okay. Um, these Jan six hearings, these hearings happening for the Jan six thing that happened in the Capitol. Have you caught any of this stuff? Not really. No, I'm just, I just don't find it uh, entertaining. Come, I mean, Johnny. No, it's Depp, not entertaining. It's heard. frightening. It's frightening. Right. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. I think that pretty much spelled it out. We'll see how this all pans out, but it's, it's a very painful period in our, in our life. And I'm getting a little, I'm not getting a little, I'm getting a lot sick about the fact that every Monday we have to open up and hear about how many mass shootings are in our country. Yeah. This last few weeks has just been crazy. Tony, are you, uh, I know Joe, um, you, you have the right to carry guns and I'm sure Joe, Joe either packs or is packing at his house or whatever. Are you locked and loaded in Texas? All the time. Everybody is. It's a are little walking old. around with it on you. Absolutely. You can have it all the time, anytime, you know, if I go out and start drinking or whatever, I put it away, but, uh, everybody is all the time here. What I are mean, you it's, carrying? it's a normal thing. I have a staccato 2.0, nine millimeter. It's a lightweight, small piece, right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, lightweight. I mean, How do you I carry it's it? probably medium weight. I have a little. Uh, I have a little bag. Sometimes you could just put it in your waistband. But I have this cool little new bag that I just got out in Puerto Rico that uh, that um, that has a little cool holster. It has this like switch you could hit where it like explodes open and you grab it. It's some John Wick shit, Bruce. I mean, I That's don't want cool. really. Like I don't want to brag purse? about it, but I mean, it's cool as hell. You know, what is I'm it saying? like a man purse or do you keep it? Do you hook it on your shoulder? It's it's like a yeah, it's like a shoulder harness that hangs out on the exterior. You'll see oh. it July uh, 2nd. 
What, what about well, local businesses, Tony? Because obviously, uh, you know, some places choose to not allow firearms in their establishments. Is, is it is it like that there, or is nope. it something that you kind of have to keep an eye on? Not here. The only thing you can't do here is have it in a bar that exclusively only serves drinks. Okay. Same thing here. Yeah. I just I just am one of fifteen hundred people or more in L.A. that um, I don't think I've said this on the show. I don't mind saying it. But I have the right to carry a weapon in L.A. I have a CCW. Very, very hard to get. Um, very, very hard to get. And uh, you can't carry it in bars that only serve. That's one thing. And you ask yourself, well, wait a minute. Then can I go in a restaurant? Can I, you know, it's like, it's like, this is why I want it. But then again, it's true. You don't want to be intoxicated carrying a piece. It's true. Not at all. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very. And uh, fanny packs. I would carry it in a fanny pack. Yeah. I used to have one of those fanny packs. Yeah, I'm very aware of it. I keep a lot. I pay a lot of attention to it. And isn't. But you as can't an, carry in Vegas. You said I'll see it in Vegas. How are you going to be able to carry in Vegas? It's a oh, I won't have that. I won't have that on me. No, but I'll have the bag on me. I'll show you my cool little bag. It's, OK, cool. I want to see it. I love I it. I want to see it. Um, you know, you, we talked about uh, that's really all I can say about that. This country is just getting wild. Ohio just passed a state law that teachers can have guns now in the classroom. That's what I understand. If I heard I this correctly the other day, and if that's the case, then what kind of training are they getting? I have no problem with that. What kind of training are they getting? It's one thing with somebody carry a gun, but they better be under proper training. You know, that's what I want to hear about. And most importantly, training and storage. And all of a sudden now there's a gun in the classroom that the kid might not have been able to get originally. Now right. you got these janky teachers leaving their keys out when they go to the office or get distracted or something. And, you know, kids are smart. I know I used to be a naughty, naughty student and uh, I would do anything I could to um, get the class's attention or make people laugh or, you know, whatever. And so I think of the young me, I know I would have gotten into that gun case for sure, just to wave it around or do something stupid. You know what I mean? Just to make people laugh or something like that. But so that's just an interesting factor. Having guns in the classroom, a teacher responsible. I mean, let's face it. They, we say all this stuff about how teachers are heroes and all that. But I mean, really, was the smartest kid in the class? Did they ever really become a teacher? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, that's uh, what's that saying? And I'm not putting teachers down. Those that don't do, do, do those that don't do teach. But it's not. <laughs> I, I don't believe that, but it is a saying that's out there. Teachers are very valuable. They need to be paid more so we get the most yeah. highest quality teachers for yes. our kids right. out there. Thank Real you. Quick. I was kidding. Thank you, Bruce. I agree with Bruce Buffer, by the way. Don't try to cancel me. Before we lose all of our uh, you know, teachers in the listening audience, I, I, I want to share a story um, that, that is it's just weird because like, I'm not that old, but uh, it was a different time period back in 1992 when I was in second grade. A kid brought a uh, like a like a pellet gun to school, like a handheld pellet gun, and the teacher found it and literally just put it on top of the file cabinet. And it stayed there for like the whole year. And the kid got to take it home at the end of the year. Like, think about that. It's crazy. I don't know what to say. I will say one thing, though. We were talking about words. Uh, Japan. Think about online insults in social media, right? <clears throat> Japan, Japan just passed a law. Online insults are now punishable by one year in prison in the <laughs> wake of a reality work, TV like, star's death. I don't know. Because like, then basically everyone's going to go to jail in Japan because well, you're either a bunch of dicks on social media. You're either uh, one year up to one year in jail or fine 300 yen, which is about $2,200. $2, so I guess there's a wide range of 
what, what you're going to get based on what you said. I, it doesn't really give any more information. Than that. But I, I really do wish that everyone had to be accountable because like all three of us, if we ever tweet anything, our names are attached to it. I wish the rest of the world had that sort of, uh, you know, held accountable sort of reputation because they're posting as themselves. But that's a problem. Like no one really does. They, they just hide behind a screen name. Well, in China, they don't even get to tweet. So that's an interesting thing. You know, it's like they, oh, they're, right. they're, they're not even on. Yeah. They're allowed social media. I learned a lot about this last May. And, uh, you know, because speech is so restricted there, um, you're not allowed to criticize anything about the government or about how they handle things at all whatsoever. And or else they track you down and this and that. And, and even then, they're, they're not on the american um social media sites but they are but they're not allowed to post anything it's a very interesting thing they're that's allowed crazy. to post if it's against someone that's currently against them if this makes sense i had <clears throat> you know i had thousands and thousands and thousands of chinese uh, accounts like zero followers um zero posts um you know threatening my life and things like that uh, during um, the wild stuff that happened with me last May, you know, making fun of a Chinese comedian. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, um, and they just weren't having it because to them, it looks like some type of absolute verbal assault out of nowhere, somewhere that they can't understand because they don't even have stand-up comedy out there. The freedoms that we take for granted as Americans, we just assume that the rest of the world sort of kind of has. And uh, it's nothing like that um, in some other places. So I'm not surprised about Japan's thing, but I, I wouldn't sleep on the fact that, you know, China is even more restrictive. They don't, they're not even in the same ballpark as you can get in trouble for insulting somebody. It's, you know, you could disappear. Very, you could disappear from the planet if you insult the wrong people <laughs> over there. Very true. So I guess what you're saying is I won't see you in Shanghai by the octagon filming me <laughs> saying it's time anytime soon. <laughs> no, no chance. Hey, but, uh, uh, Tony, yeah. do you collect those sports cards at all? Like these new Panini cars, these UFC cars and all? I have a couple. They've been given to me as gifts from people. You know, they'll give me a Yoana card or something like that after a show or you know, whatever, but I have, I have a few of them. Yeah. Well, hold on to him. Let me tell you something. UFC memorabilia is going nuts. Uh, TJ mentioned on the show that he had, uh, or wrote online that he had, uh, my UFC nine or eight Fox show, uh, you know, cards. I gave him my, my handheld cards and somebody offered you what? 3000 bucks, TJ. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but that was just for one card. That was what, one card. Set. Yeah. It was just the one card. Oh, sell that puppy. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to. I want to keep it. It almost hits my record of forty-two hundred for one card. Sell it. I'll get you another one. All right, maybe. Take the Bo. money and run. Maybe, Bo. Maybe. He's going to get an investment anyway. It's going to go up in price because it's going to set. It, it, what happens is like real estate. Every time it sells, it sets a new precedent for you know a comp. I give, let me give an example of something here. Panini's coming out with these cards, which they're doing a brilliant job of. They just came out with a whole bunch of me and hand hand signed cards, which are now being offered for over 300 on, on eBay. It's crazy. They just came out. So Honus Wagner, the famous baseball card, you might've heard about that card, Tony. It's the most expensive baseball oh, yeah. card ever. Oh, sold yeah. for 6.6 .6 million. Okay. Yeah. I remember when it sold for a half million, sold for a million. Now it's up to 6.6 .6 million and they sell. 
Panini made a 2020 rookie card, they call it, or a triple logo man card, they call it, with NBA logos on it, of LeBron James. It's about to go up to auction, and they expect it to also sell for six point, over $6.6 million. The card's two years old. Wow. This is crazy. That's crazy. Crazy stuff. I have a, a very, very, very extensive, massive uh, baseball card collection still in my mother's basement in Youngstown, Ohio. That How she's, far back does it go year-wise? Well, it goes all the way back to, I believe, 87, but I'm positive 88, 89, 90. And what's crazy about those years, I remember so clearly, and I took such good care of them. I put them in a little plastic sleeve thing with a harder plastic around right. it. I organized them alphabetically. I did everything right. And they're still, you know, hopefully in perfect shape. And, you know, so many players started then. So many rookie, I mean, that's Barry Bonds, Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson. I mean, everybody. To me, like, you know, there was a whole era of great ball players, and I haven't looked at it. I've been just, I'm like, whatever, we'll see what happens later. You're but be I sad, cannot, Tony. You're really? Be sad when you look, you can be, you yeah. that era for baseball cards where they were so value too much, Tony. produced, it's, it's hard because I, that's my era too. I have all yeah. these uh, complete sets uh, going back to like 85 to, you know, 2000. And, uh, yeah, like I remember looking at my uh, 1991 complete set of upper deck baseball cards and uh, unopened, and it's $20 on eBay. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah Tony, I hate to bust your, your image on that, but he's correct. The only thing from that era that really there – are, there are some examples um, that do stand out, okay, uh, like Ken Griffey Jr. cars. They're not worth anywhere near what he used to be as a rookie. But if you had any Fleer basketball from 86 or 87 mm. back then, you're talking big bucks. Wow. Big bucks. I'm talking 86 boxes that sell for 50000 a box. Wow. It's Crazy worth going stuff. through those cards, though, because I have uh, some cards. Oh, no, there's there, there's some potential good ones in there. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I have some cards, too. Not that, like, uh, are are well-known, but, like, if you think about some of the, the cards that are worth a ton of money, like, it, they're sometimes, like, uh, given out in, like, cereal boxes and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, those really limited uh, edition runs. Like, who knows what you have in there? Like, you were a kid, Tony. You probably put a bunch of crap in there. You, you might have something that's yeah. worth a, a shit ton of money. We don't even know. Yeah, I was crazy back then. I was doing, yeah, I was spending all my money on that during that time. I remember going to the place and I would get like little weird one-offs, not just right. boxes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have I a Mickey Mantle card. I'm not exactly sure how many of those were produced, but I had a big one. I saved up a long time for a Mickey it. Mickey Mantle card? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably worth some good money. No, uh, if, it, if it's original when he was playing, definitely worth money. I mean, I was I was going to those uh, not a swap meet, but, you know, those like trading card conventions back in the day. And uh, man, the, it was such a, a fun time and a fun era. It's just unfortunately, I don't I don't think that uh, a lot of that stuff from from our youth really held up its value. Let me give an example on, e on eBay right now. There's an 88 tops complete baseball set for 1988. $16 or best offer. Yeah, oh. and I'm, I, even in 1988 dollars, I bet that sold for more than 16 dollars. It did. Everything sold for more, and then it was so much. Like you said, there was so much paper, yeah. as we call it, or cardboard. It just 
that there was no the supply the demand didn't meet the supply right but the when supply was, met the demand when Let's was Ken Griffey Jr. a rookie wasn't it like 90 89 90 something like it that? was uh 89 80. or 90 and it went yeah. up to as much as like 150 125 right. a card and it went but, down to like 10 bucks or something but it, it was proven that like upper deck I think was producing that rookie card up until like 1993 and like selling it as like older packs but it was it was not true it was just re reprints essentially just reprints the whole bit uh, tony are you in crypto at all no not my thing no that's my tanking like crazy and as a result with the ethereum tanking too the whole nft market is on its ass yeah one of my golf buddies tried to get me into crypto really really hard around november december he's like now's the time dude i'm telling all my clients the guy's a huge money manager he's like get into crypto and I was really thinking, you know, I'm doing pretty good right now. I could really take a good chunk of money and start being smart with it. And then it dropped like, I don't know what, some did crazy. You, did you put money into it? No, I didn't. I didn't. I let the marijuana take over. And that scares me enough to <laughs> stop making any business decisions. I'm like, well, what the, am I thinking? The crypto guys would say it's on sale right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. These people don't know how to call it a loss. It's a bunch of people still at a poker table that yeah. they should have left hours ago. It's yeah. on sale. I know that feeling. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's also too like uh, Mike Tyson sold an NFT, you know, these digital collectibles um, for over a quarter million. Now, because Ethereum went down as bad as it did, the guy that paid a quarter million couldn't even get, and I, it's much less than even 20,000 for that now. I, I still way don't too understand volatile. what you do with those things. Like, great, you got something that is one of one, but I, Still don't know what that one thing is or how you're supposed to even. It's like it. online porn. You can't touch it. You can only fantasize about it. You know, that's about yeah, it. Yeah, but like that's the thing. Like you can see these NFTs that people have paid for. So it's it's not like you can't enjoy whatever it is, even if you don't own it. But I, I yeah, again, I don't I don't understand it. It is what it is. Hey, Tony, we've kept you for an hour and God knows we'll keep you for another hour. But I want to let you go and go on to uh, make the money or whatever you're going to do today and get it going. Yeah. Big and, shows, uh, no doubt, never ends. But it's always, uh, it's all I can always make time for you, my friend. You are thanks. a uh, legend. I mean, one truly one of my favorite entertainers. I know, you know. I mean, I truly mean that. I, I, I one of my favorite things is getting to go to to UFCs with people for their first time. And I went to uh, the one in Phoenix, which was another unbelievable yeah, card. Amazing, I mean, we, good lord, we've been so lucky lately. Yeah. But I got to share with my friend William Montgomery. It was his first ever UFC. I mean, so literally Daniel Cormier turns around. He's like, how's it going? Nice to meet you. And William's like, who is that? I'm like, oh, oh, wow. my oh no. Yeah. Oh man. That's the night they announced him going into the hall of fame too. Yeah. Yep. 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 Exactly. Yep. Which made it that much funnier. I go, I can't believe that you didn't know who that was. And you got to watch right after that when you know, I hype a lot of things up. I'm like, this guy's the best. Well, I mean, it's also easy to, it's impossible to explain to a non UFC fan who these people are like, Oh, that's the best of all time. And then, you know, about Joanna and then Valentina walks by or Amanda Nunez or Ronda Rousey. And you're like, well, that, but that, but that, <laughs> you know, and there's so many different examples of that in UFC, but I got to explain to William, he goes, man, that's cool what that guy's doing about you right at the very beginning. Oh. He, he talks weird. He talks like that. And um, legend, he's about to be, you know, one of the I'm recognized as one of the best comedians in the world. He's just a freak. He's hilarious. Goofball. Big John Belushi, Andy Kaufman, Chris Farley type. Love it. And uh, 
And he goes, man, that guy's got a cool job, huh? And I go, yeah, and you should watch throughout the show. It gets bigger. He's putting on like it's an actual thing to keep an eye on. Like it starts strong, but it gets more and more exciting as the night goes on. And that's a six hour show. I don't know if people realize when they're watching at home, you know, that it is continuous and it runs the whole time. And that is not easy at all, especially up the stairs, down the stairs. I know that game from hosting the comedy store way back in the day, three minute sets for everybody. So you'd have to be back up there again and back down. And that with the, with the work that your brain's doing, that's so mentally draining. And, uh, and man, I remember, uh, him tapping me when you did the final like main event like it's time and the place is rip roaring and he's like man you know and I got to like live that through him almost like Willy Wonka chocolate factory style because oh, you make cool. those shows what they are and I am so I'm counting down the days to July 2nd getting to be high fiving you and rolling around with you in that crazy arena and uh it's a uh, it's one of the more exciting things in the world is getting to have a cool ass friend like you, Bruce Buffer. So keep oh. doing what you're doing and don't change a thing. You're just, it's, it's just, it stands out, especially amongst uh, announcers. And, um, you know, and again, that's coming from me long time boxing Youngstown, Ohio is a boxing hub. So I've been, I've been watching all the greats the whole time and pro wrestling. And you're just a, you're just a, uh, a freaking legend, Bruce. So thank oh, you so much. I don't, I don't want to butter his bread too much, though, Tony. But can you imagine the guy that you know goes out to his first UFC, pays a bunch of money to see Bruce Buffer, and then it's not Bruce? You know what I mean? That's oh, going to happen. Kicking the balls. It's going to happen this weekend. I feel really bad because I get all these people on Twitter. I'm going to Austin, my first show. Are you going to be there? And I'm not doing the show in Austin this weekend. It's going to be, with all respect, Joe Martinez, who does a very fine job. Um, but I feel bad. Then I then they write me. Then on Twitter, where are you? I came here to I see mean, you. I mean, Bruce, like, seriously though, Austin, Texas. Austin is something special. You don't think that? I mean, like, let me ask you this: If you showed up, would they turn you down? Like, can't you just do it? Can't you just show up and hang out with us? Do do the night, and I mean, have some fun. Stay for the weekend. Joe and I are uh, are taking the night off. I mean, we are going, you know, we're going to really? be there. We're going to watch the UFC. And Joe's not going to commentate, but he's going to watch it. See what I'm saying? Come wow. on out, Bruce. It's this Saturday. Yeah, I've already got. Have you ever been to UFC? You weren't working in some capacity, Bruce? Uh, no. Neither See? has Joe. Let's make history together. I'm the matchmaker here. I'm the Sean <laughs> Shelby, if you will. The Joe Silva of this, the Dana White something it sounds great guys but you know what i just got back from singapore i got to do vegas next week i got four shows in july aka i'm sorry to say i'm, I'm very happy us, bruce you're hanging out with the girl i know it well of course but right. you know yeah. it's, <laughs> but i mean I'm, you know i have a, i have a fun weekend planned at home thank you um bruce but at back the same... a little fun package from singapore yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of my other friends one of my female friends, she said, how many did you bring back from Singapore? I said, how could you ask me that? That's so funny. You know, Three. <laughs> <laughs> calm down, Tony, calm down. <laughs> um, you guys are the best. Uh, it's Thank not, you it's so not much. kill Bruce. It's kill Tony. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Every Monday on YouTube at 8 PM and I'm doing stand-up shows all around the country right now. Tony for tickets. We're locking up phones. It's a real fun experience. I mean, you know, I'm going for it out there trying to get people to laugh and also say, Ooh, and ah, a lot. So 
And you're doing yeah. a great job. You're so darn good at what you do. I encourage everybody, you get a chance to see Tony, whether it's live on the web, whatever, but you've got to see Tony live. He's hilarious. Uh, getting back to one other thing, the positive and negative about this is I'm looking forward to my weekend off and enjoying my family and friends here at home. Um, at the same time, I'm very disappointed I'm not going to Austin for all the reasons you just said. And I, I had this disappointment before, but the schedule was planned. So we'll get you out here. We have the 10 year anniversary episode of kill Tony coming up in 11 months. And you know, you were there for the one year you were there for episode 500. So I mean, 10 years, this is going to be the first time ever that any live podcast ever live in front of a live audience has ever gone 10 years. So if you're not there when that curtain cracks very first thing, I'm, I've got serious complaints coming. So we'll get you to Austin at least in 11 months. All right. We'll be talking about that. And listen, Austin's a beautiful it. town. I love, I grew up partially in Texas, Tony. I lived in Dallas for five years of my early life. Oh, wow. No, okay. I'm, I love Texas. There's no question. All right, Tony, listen, it's just such an honor to have you on the show. Pleasure. You're my friend. You're funny. I can't, again, people, please get a chance to see Tony. It's hilarious. Get a chance to see him with Joe. Yeah. Doubly hilarious. So there's yeah. so much to look forward to. Tony, have a great time. Thank you guys sorry, so much. This weekend. Hey, real quick Indeed. on the way out, Tony, I, I, I don't ever get to see you. We used to have yeah. you in, in studio all the time, and, and, and I miss those days. But uh, if you're out there for International Fight Week on uh, Sunday, the 3rd, we're going to be doing a grappling event at the Apex called the UFC Fight Pass Invitational. You should come out and hang out and watch some grappling. Very cool. Might do that. Depends on when the Jets hadn't fueled back ready for Texas, but uh, I'm not going to miss that ride. I don't want to fly commercial on Monday. You know what I'm saying? Are you guys Asia flying private to uh, Vegas next week? <laughs> Most likely. I don't know. I'm just kidding around anyway, but uh, no, you know what cool. it is. Yeah. Hey, Tony, I forgot to ask you. Uh, I know you're a drinker. Do you drink bourbon? Oh, yeah. Love it. So text me your uh, mailing address in Austin. Let me have a bottle. You can buy it. It's, it's selling like hotcakes in Texas. You can buy it anywhere. But if you want, send me an address and I'll have a bottle shipped to you. And I'd love to hear what you think of it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you, TJ. And TJ, I'm voting for your Uncle Ron for president in 2024. Cousin, cousin so. Ron. Cousin Ron. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right. I love you guys. Thank you, you so Tony. much. Love you too, Tony. I'll be there beside you this weekend in spirit. Cheers. There he is, Tony Hinchcliffe. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Been on a show numerous times, been on his show. He just And I got to say it again. He's brilliant as a comedian. Anybody get a chance to see him, please go see him. He, so, so funny. So funny. Yeah, no, he's he's one of the the, the best to do it, really, in, in modern uh, comedy. And, yeah. uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, mixed martial arts fans you're going to find as well. Exactly. All right, TJ, let's sign off. Uh, one last thing I want to say. James Earl Jones is back at the voice of Darth, Darth Vader. I didn't even know he left, but he's back. And uh, I forgot if I mentioned it before on the show last week, but if you get a chance, definitely go see Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to go see it uh, this weekend for Father's Day. That's my uh, Father's Perfect. Day gift. My son and I are going to go check it out. Going to love it. Son's going to have a blast. Let me yeah, know what you think about it. I'm excited, too, that this is one of those movies that, uh, you know, in, in modern society, almost everything comes out streaming within a month of its theatrical release. But this one they're holding on to, and uh, they want to make sure that everyone, you know, has a chance to see it in the theater before it goes uh, direct to consumer. And th this sounds like a film that is sort of must-see uh, in the theater itself. They're seeing it twice. It did 150 plus million its first week in release since breaking box office records. So it's, I haven't it's heard worthy. anybody say a bad thing about it too, Bruce, Impossible which sort of to. concerns me. You know, is it really that good? It's been built up in it's, my head. It's like it's like what I would call a perfect movie. Okay. It has everything. 
Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I mean, we'll, I'll, I'll report back uh, next week, but I'm excited for it. All right. Sounds good. Have a great time. And by the way, happy Father's Day coming up this weekend. Uh, everybody out there, I've been filming a lot of cameos, a lot of videos at BruceBuffer.com. This show will be up on Thursday. I promise to deliver all videos by Father's Day. If you're watching this and you'd like me to record a special Father's Day greeting for your amazing fathers, I get a big kick out of this because I miss my dad very much. I lost him in 2008. And uh, every time I film a video, it just puts a little tear in my eye about how much I love and miss my father. So thank you for bringing back that memory for me as I perform memories for you. Um, TJ, pleasure having you on the show. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll have a show on Wednesday. Uh, pay-per-view week. Next week is not pay-per-view week. Oh, no. So it'll be normal. Okay, great. Yeah, we're good. All right. You're Internal information about, we're talking publicly me. about with our with our listeners. Okay. You know. All right, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Great show last weekend. Enjoy the show this weekend. I will not be in the octagon. Uh, Joe Martinez will be there doing the honors, and um, I'm sure it's going to be a very exciting night for everybody. So with that being said, set your goals, write them down, learn everything about what you're going to do in life before you set on that yellow brick road. So when you do, you perform and be the best you can be, whether you're one, the champion, number 10 or number two, the bottom line is you're being the best you can be. That means you're winning. And that's what we're all about in life. Be a great role model to your sphere of influence. Treat everybody with respect the way you want to be treated. And um, just be a little unselfish and pay it forward whenever you can. We need some happiness and a lot more in this life than we're all getting. Did I say that correctly? Sounds good to me, Buff. You sound good. You got the point of trying to cross. What's the saying? Be happy, folks. Enjoy your lives. See you next week. Buffer out. You know what I'm saying. Just be good.